have won them over. Thank you. So as we draw close to Christmas, how many of you are really, really excited about seeing your family, you know, the family that you haven't seen for so long and you're just excited to get together and have a family Christmas? Are any of you feeling a little bit anxious, a little bit worried about the family members that are going to be there? Now, for some of you, you have these tense Christmases, right? where you're so scared that you're going to say something that's going to upset someone, or you already arrive upset because they've already said something that has upset you. So I want to take a moment for us to think about the perfect family, the perfect family with the perfect Christmas. So let's take a moment just to think about what this family would look like. Think about a family that will never discuss you when you're not around. Think about a family that believes in you and wants you to become everything that God has called you to be. Think about a family that believes the best about you and not the worst. A family that always makes you feel safe to be yourself. Think about a family that will gently correct you when you're out of line. A family that makes you feel secure and not insecure. A family that does not judge you, but makes allowance for your faults. Let's think about a family that celebrates your strengths and overlooks your weaknesses. A family that honors you and respects you. A family that never gives up on you. A family that cares more for you than for themselves. A family that doesn't want what it doesn't have. A family that doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on one another. A family that isn't always me first. A family that doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. A 1 Corinthians 13 family. In 1 Corinthians 13, I, was, this was, I just took something from the message, message paraphrase, and that you'll find the scripture about love. And God created family to be a safe place. But we all know that we come from families where we have not experienced this. We've grown up in families where maybe they do speak about you behind your back. Maybe they don't honor you. But God is calling us as a church to be the restoring family that he wants us to be. He's calling us to be this family. And in Romans 12, verse 18, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. So we're busy with a series on missing peace, and today we're going to be speaking about having peace with those around us. And as we approach the Christmas season, it is a great opportunity for us to grow in what I'm about to share with us. Most of us come out of broken homes where we didn't experience peace. Most of us come out of places where we've, we've come out of homes where we feel insecure. But God wants to restore us. 
God wants to make us whole. And then you come into the church and you get hurt here because all of us have broken pieces. All of us have to be made whole, even me. Wait till you lead a church. Maybe God will call one of you to lead one. Then there's no way out. You can't just leave and go somewhere else when you get offended. You're stuck. But God is wanting us to be a body where people can come and be restored. He's calling us to heal, bring healing to those around us. So we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, and I want to encourage you to go home and dig into the scripture. I'm not going to go, if I could, I would preach the whole day on this scripture. It is this, it's such a beautiful piece, but I want to encourage you to go read it, but I'm just going to take pieces from it. And verse 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, that means hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. That means proud. Don't be proud. But associate with the lowly. Associate with those that are lower than you. Never be wise in your own sight. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, so last week when Gareth preached about peace, he said that peace literally means saying, may, may you be full and of well-being, May you have health and prosperity. And that is what God wants for us. He wants us to be whole. And he wants to do it by the power of his spirit. Hey, Brusha, how are you? Hey, man, I haven't seen you for so long. How's it going? I get some water. Man, you where have you been? Always. How's it going? Come, come, come. How's it been going with you, man? So, um, oh my gosh, you know what? Barisha forgot my birthday. It was my birthday yesterday, and she has forgotten to wish me. She's supposed to be my friend, and she just, she just did not wish me happy birthday. She's so forgetful. Um, actually, now that I think about it, Auntie Ainsley is kind of bossy. I mean, I was just relaxing over there, and she just called me up here. She didn't even know if I was ready. My hair could have been terrible. So bossy. Well, I actually heard that Barisha, when she got her degree, she had this party. And you know, I am the pastor's wife. And she did not even invite me to the party that she had. But obviously, I was going to hear about it from the rest of you. But I was excluded. She's such an excluder. Well, Auntie Ainsley was so rude. When I got my degree, she didn't even say congratulations. She didn't say well done. She just completely ignored me. How rude of her. 
insecure. You know, Verisha is really insecure. She just expects the rest of us to just tell her how wonderful she is all the time, when actually she needs to find her security in Jesus, you know? She is just so insecure. Just saying, but Auntie Ainsley is this a little bit of a gossip. Because, I mean, she's been talking to people about me, and, I mean, I heard from those people, which means that they were gossiping too, but she shouldn't have been talking about me in the first place. What a gossip. Judgmental, a little? Like, perhaps a little judgmental of me? I mean, do you know what it's like to be in constant judgment of people? Gosh, she is really, really just a judgmental person. And she's so inconsiderate. I mean, look at this. I was literally just sitting there like the rest of you, relaxing myself. Oh, I had such a long year. And she, you know, she expected me to come here so early this morning and serve. How inconsiderate to serve. Oh. Well, if you love Jesus, like... Oh, and she's untrustworthy, just saying. Don't trust Auntie Ainsley. Oh. Maybe I should just, you know, take a moment for myself, sit down here, because she just, she just irritates me so much. I need some peace from Jesus. <sighs> Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So maybe I should overlook this offense. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, Auntie Ainsley's not that bad. I mean, she's got a, she's got a lot to work on <laughs> with Jesus, but I mean, she's pretty nice if you think about it. <laughs> okay, thank you, Verisha. Let's give her a round of applause. All right, thanks. So to overlook an offense is to our glory. What does that actually mean? To our glory means that we get to look like God because God overlooks our offenses. Do you know, if I was God, I probably would have squashed the world long ago. These people, they just keep offending me. Squash. <laughs> but God overlooks our offenses. And when we choose to overlook, when we choose to stop allowing the things that we have labeled one another with, and we start to overlook those things, we start to see what God sees when he looks at that person. And it's for our glory because we get to represent the King of Kings. We get to be like him to others. I remember being really offended with church. You're thinking, oh my gosh, your husband leads a church? But when we went to Potch of Sturm and led a church that was broken, I really had some things in my heart where I was offended with people. I was really offended. I was like, Lord, and a nice and Sapphire, Sapphire, you know, in the Bible where you like struck them down for lying to the Holy Spirit. Like, don't you do that anymore? <laughs> no, seriously, that's where I was at. I was offended with church, and I carried this offense. And I would go, and I would, you know, people would be like, oh, shame, Ainsley. It must be so hard to love 
people when you're in leadership. Oh, it must be hard to be in leadership. And I was like, yes, it's so hard. And the one day I was praying, and I heard the voice of Jesus. And you know what he said to me? He said these beautiful, poetic words. Get over it and get on with it. I'm honest, honestly, I heard Jesus say to me, Ainsley, get over it and get on with it. Get on with the mission. Get on with reaching the lost. Get on with transforming the city. Get over it. Get on with the mission. Get on with loving people. Get on with shining for Jesus and displaying him. So I want you to say with me, I'm over it. We do it by faith. We get over our offenses by faith. And we say, you know what, Jesus, you gotta help me. I forgive those people. I mean, I wrote down names and I burnt them in the fire and I did all that stuff, okay? And, and now I'm, I'm liking their stuff on Facebook again, you know? <laughs> so verse nine of Romans chapter 12 says, let love be genuine. So what is genuine love? Genuine love is described in that first scripture that I, that I referenced in Corinthians about love being patient and kind and long-suffering and overlooking, not, not keeping a record of wrongs. And that is, that is genuine love. But it can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is love. And when he fills you with himself, he fills you with his love and only from that place can your love be genuine. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, it has been my, I don't know, it's been an interesting verse for me this year, and it says this, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Are you not acting like mere humans? We're not mere humans when we are born again. We are spirit-filled with the living God. So we can't come and say, sorry, I'm only human. We can't say that anymore when we're born again because we're filled. We're not, we cannot act like mere humans. But Jesus wants to help us to live lives where we he enables us to overlook the offenses and it's for our glory because then we get to look like him and display him. Colossians 3 verse 13 and 14 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So we need to make allowance for one another's faults. There are some things, I mean, when these guys arrived here, my stuff was sprawled out all over. They had to sort of like, okay, where are we gonna sit, Ainsley? You're, you're so messy. <laughs> they didn't say that, but I don't know if they thought it. But we need to make allowance for one another's faults. Yes, if it is a sin, we need to help that person. Like Rumka came to Tim and said, hey, Tim, listen, that thing on your head is really hurting people. Can I help you to remove it? But sometimes, you know, in a marriage, you know, Gareth switches off the oven for me because he knows I'm going to burn the oats. He doesn't, he doesn't 
judge me about it anymore. He just does it. <laughs> you know, he just switches it off. Ainsley, are you cooking something? And then he goes and he switches off because he knows it's one of those faults that he needs to overlook. <laughs> you see, when we overlook these offenses, we, we begin to look like Jesus. And going back to, you know, you thought that the beginning of the sermon was, was tricky. We're going to go to a verse that's even harder to do. And that is verse 14. And it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Have you ever had, when you're driving in your car, and be careful before you swear at people that cut you off or that drive badly, it might be me because I'm not, I'm not always the best driver. Apparently, I have conversations with myself. My kids say, Mommy, what are you doing? I'm talking to myself while I'm driving, so just be careful that you don't swear at me while I'm driving my car. But have you ever had, when you're driving, and this guy's driving so badly, and they scream past you, and they cut you off, and they get stopped by the cops. And you're like, yeah, yeah, good. I hope he gets a fine. I hope they lock him up. But do, have you ever gone like, bless that person, Jesus? Just bless them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And now that word bless comes from the Greek word eulogio. Okay? And the EU means good, and the logio comes from the root word logos, which means word. So to bless them means to speak a good word. Speak a good word over those who persecute you. Speak a good word over someone that is rude to you. I was rude to Verusha. Speak a good word. Speak a good word over people that gossip about you. Speak well of, this is the full extent of the thing, it says speak well of or wish the best blessings for someone. Wish the best blessings for those that ignore you. Not sarcastically. <laughs> really, genuinely, you've got you to ask Jesus to help you. Those that exclude you. Those that betray you. Speak your best blessing over them. Because then you get to be like Jesus, and he wants to empower us to do that. Now, when someone offends you, let's say that person is 99% responsible, and you are 1% responsible, okay? Do you know that God holds that person 100% responsible for their 99%? And God holds you 100% responsible for your 1%. So God holds you 100% responsible. Even if your 1% is the offense in your heart, the unforgiveness, the frustration, God holds you 100% responsible. And allow God, remember the scripture said, vengeance is mine. I mean, I do believe that all of us will stand before God and we will give an account. So don't, don't think that that person's getting off scot-free. But God, let God deal with them. And in the scriptures, we do see him dealing harshly. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira was the names, they were struck down dead in the church. 
because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Like, that's serious. So God will judge and deal with that person, but you choose to leave it to, the, leave it to him, and you say, Jesus, I want to overlook. I want to overlook this offense. Help me to see what you see when you look at them. So let's say together, I'm over it. You see, we judge people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions and what they do, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. We don't always know what people's intentions are. I mean, I think for many of you, I've walked past you and I haven't greeted you, or like I've been on my mission to get the sword onto Tim's head and to, you know, like stuff like that happens, and it happens in church. But what, ha- what often happens is somebody will forget to greet you or somebody will perhaps forget your birthday and then you begin to tell the story in your head, okay? And there are four different voices that we listen to in our lives. We listen to the voice of others, we listen to our own voice, we listen to the enemy's voice, and we listen to God's voice. Let me tell you how our voice sounds. Our voice is often a voice of self-righteousness, okay, I am right, you are wrong, or self-pity, self-justification, self-righteousness, self-justification, self-pity. You know that self-pity is a breeding ground for the demonic. When you dwell in self-pity, you're playing with the enemy. You're allowing him in, don't, don't. It's a breeding ground. Others often come with, oh, shame, 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 man. Yeah, no, don't worry, Ainsley, she is a little bossy, but don't worry, that's just her. Shame. (laughs) I know I'm bossy, so don't worry. I grew up with a bossy family, so I can be bossy, (laughs) but I do love. (laughs) But what we, others, the voice of others often comes in, Oh, shame. You know when Jesus got to Lazarus' tomb, did he come to the people and say, oh, shame, 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 man, shame. Yeah, yeah, he died. Shame, man. He had compassion on the people. It says in the scriptures, Jesus had compassion, and then he raised Lazarus from the dead. So we're called to have compassion, but then we're called to bring the life of God into that person. We're called to call them higher and say, you know what, this is not who you are. You're called to represent Christ. You're more than this. And so is that person. Let's pray for them. Let's trust God that they will walk into everything that God has for them. So that's the voice of others. Then the voice of the enemy is one of accusation. So when we start to tell these stories in our heads, The enemy comes and he adds these little things, right? And then something small happens and it's like, yeah, I knew it. You see, they are like that. The church, you know, I knew it. And then he comes and he goes, oh, cool, tick. Let me add another accusation. And he puts all these accusations in our heads. And if you walk around and you have accusation in your heart towards others, It is the voice of the enemy because he is the accuser of the brethren. He 
even accusation towards yourself, do you know that? You don't have the right to accuse yourself because when you are born again, the Bible says, I have paid, with, I've paid for you with a price. You are not your own. You don't have the right to even treat yourself like that. Do you know that? Because you don't own yourself. You belong to him. And if he doesn't say that about you, you're like, you need to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for believing these things about myself. Help me to see myself the way you see me. So even as you're sitting there right now, if the enemy's coming at you and he's bringing accusation towards you, no, you don't allow that accusation. You say, "Uh uh-uh, this is a call. This is a call for us to rise. This is a call for us to be raised from the dead, the death of our struggles. Don't allow that voice. But the voice of God brings freedom. The voice of God brings liberty to the captives. The voice of God brings reconciliation to families, reconciliation to relationships. The voice of God brings restoration. The voice of God tells you, you are my daughter, you are my son. This is who you are. Ainsley, get over it. Get on with it. Be who God's called you to be. Stop dwelling on the past. Now, there are two instances that we see in the Bible where accusation comes in. And what happens when we accuse one another, especially when we speak to one another about each other, is we enslave that person. It's the same as what happened with Joseph and his brothers. His brothers were jealous of him, and they, they despised. Sometimes even when you hear prophetic words over people, and you're like, oh, it's so unfair, that person has such nice words. We tend to, the enemy comes and he brings those lies, and we tend to enslave that person. And when you share that with someone else, that person actually can't see the other person as well as they, they, they should. You've enslaved them. Another one is Judas. <laughs> what Judas did to Jesus, he betrayed him. He sold him. So when we go and we, we ruin one another's reputations or we speak badly about one another, it's like being like Judas. Because once you've spoken to that person, you've enslaved, that person becomes enslaved in that person's mind and they don't see them the same way anymore. It's like I remember when Mark was leading the church and people would say things and, and then others would be like, they never thought he was like that, but oh, actually he is because of people enslaving. You've got to be very careful um, of, of allowing the enemy in because we want to be that family that is safe. We want to be that family that is secure. We need to protect one another. We need to help one another to grow. So let's say I'm over it. You know, getting offended is inevitable, but staying offended is a choice. You're going to get offended because some of us still have those spiky things on us. But do you know that the daggers that others throw your way will become in God's hand a chisel 
to fashion you into the image of Christ. The daggers that others throw your way, so you, others throw their daggers, God takes them, and he, in his hand, he creates a chisel, and he just removes, he, he helps you to become more like Jesus. He removes the things that, that are not like him. And that's, often, that's what we need to do. Even when people come and tell you stuff, and they say, you're, you know, you're a little bit like this or you're a little bit like that. It could feel like a dagger, but take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I do want to grow. I want to become more like you. Would you remove things from me that are not like you? Allow him. He's, he's very gentle and he's very kind. Even if you have to go sit with someone and say, listen, please will you pray with me? I'm, I'm really struggling um, with this thing. I've been accused of, of being this. Um, would you pray and, and, and help me that if there is anything like that in me, that the Lord would, would help me to grow? It's okay. Because that is how we're going to become safe, by being vulnerable. And being vulnerable is not making a social media post where you're like, I just want to be vulnerable right now. You know, these people have hurt me so much, and, but it's okay because Jesus loves me, and it's just like I find myself in God, and, but I'm just being so vulnerable right now. That's not being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is sitting with the person that has hurt you and saying, listen, what did you mean by that comment? What did you mean when you said that? And I want to just read some, if you could pass me my phone, babe, some things that Caroline Leaf shared. And especially for us during this Christmas time, that when people do say things that are, that are hurtful and you don't always understand, we can also respond. It doesn't mean that you just let people walk all over you because you're also helping them to grow. You know, that Matthew 18 scripture, the reason it's so beautiful for me is that when somebody hurts me, I have an opportunity to help them grow. Because I can say, I don't know if you realize this, but, but this is quite hurtful for me. Can, and, and because sometimes we hurt each other and we, we hurt each other and we're not aware. All right, so Caroline Leaf, and this is great over Christmas for those of you that, I have a, I have a good, my family is, well, I hope no fights are going to happen, but we're, we, I'm blessed with a, quite a secure family, but sometimes comments are made. And my brother makes comments about church sometimes, or, you know, it's like, oh, okay. So these are ways that we can respond. You could say, I want to make sure I'm not making assumptions about what you said. Can you clarify? I, I don't want to make assumptions about what you've just said, but can you maybe clarify what you mean? But sometimes they say it and you go and you're like, oh my gosh, what did they mean? And you, and you, you allow the enemy to come in and add to the story. That felt hurtful. What did you actually mean by that comment? That felt hurtful. So, so we do, we need to grow in our emotional maturity where we actually say, that actually felt a bit hurtful. What did, what did you mean by that comment? And they could say, oh, no, I didn't mean anything. Sorry, I, honestly, I, sorry, I didn't actually think, I didn't mean it like that at all. That sounded loaded. Loaded. Sometimes in families, they say things that are loaded. And like there's something deeper beneath that comment, do you want to talk about it? Okay, that sounded loaded. Um, this sounded like there's something more. Can we talk about it? Do not make 
oh, this one's quite strict. <laughs> Do not make comments like that or speak to me that way. So you can also stand up for yourself and say, listen, I don't appreciate being spoken to that way. I'm starting to do that with my preteen. <laughs> Don't talk to me like that. Okay. That comment was unkind. I'm going to walk away. This one is quite cool. I'm going to walk away and give us both time. I should do this with my husband. <laughs> I'm the one making the unkind comments often. <laughs> so he should do this. That comment was unkind. I'm going to walk away and give us both time to cool off and think more about the situation. Okay. So, guys, we don't, they, they should teach this stuff in school, right? They teach all these things that this is way more helpful. <laughs> but as God's church, I want us to go back to that scripture that says, let's not act like mere humans. Let's go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I, I want to grow. I, it's hard. I've got all these things, and it's felt like I've had daggers my whole life. But say, Lord, please would you cover me with that love? You know that scripture that spoke about let, him, that let love cover. Love covers a multitude of sins. But allow him to take the chisel and just help you to become more like him. So I want us to close our eyes. And I want you to think of perhaps words that have been spoken over you. Maybe you've been labeled as aggressive or unkind or um, irresponsible, forgetful. And I want you to see the Lord removing those labels from your life. And I want you to just ask the Lord, say, even if you say, Lord, I'm struggling, even if you come to him and say, Lord, I don't know how to forgive, please help me. And he will. Even if you have to do it again and again and again, Lord, help me to forgive. Eventually it will be gone. And just bring those situations to him and say, Jesus, it's really hard, but please would you help me to overlook the offense and help me to forgive. Watch how he removes those labels from you. Watch how he removes the things that the enemy, the accusations. Allow him to remove the accusations from you. Maybe even as a small child, your, your, your dad said things that have really stuck. You search much deeper